0: Better way to do this. Let me show you a better way. Hi folks, this is Jack Spirico with another edition of Survival Podcast. As always, one well, man to the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Today is uh, July 31st, 2013, and this is episode. 1,176 of the Survival Podcast, and I have an interesting one for you today. This will be the first time ever, for all I know, it could be the only time ever I'm going to have a politician on the Survival Podcast, but I don't really consider this politician a politician. This is uh, Sean Hipskind who's been a, a friend of mine for quite a number of years, long-time listener to the show. And he's actually running for Arkansas governor in the next election cycle as a libertarian candidate. He's here to talk about the goals of his campaign today and to make you think. I have some words on that before I introduce him. Before that even though, let's go ahead and take care of our sponsors. They do a lot to help take care of you. Sponsor of the day number one is Jeff, the Berkey guy, Gleason. What are you going to get from the Berkey guy? Shocking as it may seem, you're going to get Berkey water filtration systems from the Berkey guy. But why buy from the Berkey guy? Why not get your Berkey water filtration system from, like, the guy at the gun show or your local, you know, camping survival type store or whatever like that? Because Jeff's the Berkey guy. Why? If you had an opportunity to buy your Berkey from the Berkey guy, Why would you buy it from anybody else? Seriously, though, the reason to buy from Jeff is he is one of the top distributors for Berkey in the world. It means he gets some of the most competitive pricing available and passes it on to you. And the guy is a madman when it comes to customer service. In addition to Berkey's, his website, directive21.com, which is directive and then the numbers 21.com, has a tremendous uh, uh, amount of other things for your prepping needs. Check him out today at directive21.com. Next up today is the awesome, the illustrious, the cool Chef Keith Snow. Chef Keith Snow will teach you to cook seasonally and locally and how to make cooking into a life skill, focusing on technique over recipe. And he has some really great seasonings available on his website as well, harvesteating.com. He also has a really cool podcast that you can subscribe to over at harvesteating.com. People ask me sometimes why I spend so much time talking about growing your own food and producing your own food and sourcing local food on the Survival Podcast, and my answer is. Because you got to eat every day. So I focus on how to make sure the food's there to keep you alive. Chef Keith will focus on how to make sure that you actually enjoy eating it all. Check him out today at harvesteating.com. And if you've never listened to his podcast, give it a listen. I think you'll be impressed. I also want to talk to you today about uh, walkingtofreedom.com. Let's say you live in a state that's lost its ever loving mind, you know, a state that's just trampling on liberty, a state like, oh, I don't know, Illinois. And let's say you've had enough of Illinois and you're thinking, you know what, this is a republic. I don't have to stay here. Maybe there's a better place for me. Get on over to walkingtofreedom.com and uh, check out the work we've done there so far, identifying the 10 states that are the most oppressive toward liberty and the most fiscally irresponsible and targeted those to target the best members of those states to leave and come to states that have a greater recognition of your liberties. And if you don't want to move, please come over to walkingtofreedom.com anyway. We need you. We really do. We really do. Uh, I I look at it this way. We have two types of people at Walking to Freedom, ambassadors and movers. Movers are the people that are in the places they don't want to be, and they're looking for a place to go. Ambassadors are the people that are happy where they are. They want to help others like them find a community that fits with what they're looking for. Instead of wanting, well, people from California went to Arizona and messed it up, how about we help people find the place that's already most in line with what they're looking for and teach people something that is really self-evident but we seem to have forgotten in this nation. It's easier to rent a truck and make new friends than to live in oppression. To learn more, visit walkingtofreedom.com. Last but not least, do consider joining the Members Support Brigade. If you do that, you'll be supporting the work I do here with the Survival Podcast at a whopping $0.18.3 per episode. You'll get content available nowhere else. You'll get video content available nowhere else. You'll get every episode of the Survival Podcast ever produced in convenient downloadable zip files, it's a, uh, it's a great way to support the show and it's a great return of investment. You'll also get $150. It's actually more like $200 now worth of free ebooks on day one. You can download them and keep them forever. Uh, how about this? You'll get discounts to over 40 vendors selling the stuff that you probably buy anyway. From gardens to guns and more, you'll find discounts for it inside the members' brigade. To learn more, go to the survivalpodcast.com. Click on Members or click on our Members Brigade banner. And remember, if you are military, law enforcement, or Peace Corps, or a first responder like a paramedic, EMT, or firefighter, and that's either active duty or prior service, there's a service discount for you. Just email me at jackatthesurvivalpodcast.com. Put service discount in the subject line and give me one or two sentences telling me who you are and what you're doing who you are and what you did, and I'll get you a discount on the, the member's brigade. Please remember, though, you need to do this before, not after you join. With that, I do have the housekeeping wrapped up. I'm about ready to introduce my good friend, Mr. Sean Hipskin. Again, he's running as a libertarian. Uh, I am really kind of an anarcho-libertarian, uh, sort of, kind of, minarchist libertarian, anarchist personal life libertarian. I share many of Sean's views. I go further uh, than many of his, uh, his uh, small government views toward more of a minarchist, uh, society with an anarchist bent. Um, I'm going to tell you this. You're going to hear some things today. If you are a staunch conservative or a staunch liberal, either side, you are going to hear some things today you're really going to disagree with. I'd like you to consider a couple things as you listen to this. Number one, the real agenda that Sean has is not to become Arkansas's next governor, but to bring awareness to how corrupt the current political system is and to propose an alternative that he'll tell you about. So no matter what you actually want done, that goal is a common goal for everybody. The next thing I'd like you to consider is that As a libertarian, it is not up to me to decide how you should live your life, simply how I should live mine, and to get out of your way and let you live it and not restrict certain things. You'll hear us talk today about the prohibition of drugs and how much of a mistake that's been. Some of you will have a hard time, um, accepting that. It's okay. You don't have to agree with us, and, you know, let's keep any debate in the blog civil and not get all angry and understand that, you know, what I've been teaching you guys recently, that arguing about issues won't change society. So, you know, be heard, but be respectful and understand that you won't solve the drug war by convincing me of something or me convincing you of something. That's something else I ask you to think about today. But when we talk about drug prohibition, for instance, I'd like to think, I'd like you to think about it this way. This is something that those of you that are sure that, man, we can't ever just remove prohibition of, of, of drugs, uh, even soft drugs like, like marijuana. Um, I want you to think about things like raw milk. I want you to just get this in your mind before we get into this um, somewhat stirring political discussion with Sean here. Just think about raw milk. And think about the fact that you, as a private citizen, may have decided you'd like to drink raw milk, which means the milk came out of the cow and you drink it, just like people did for tens of thousands of years. And up until modern times, no one ever had a problem with this. And then one day the government stepped in and said, that's bad. You could get sick. And you're like, listen, there's, you can get sick by walking out my door, this is safe, and I am comfortable with this, and I would like to drink raw milk. And then a judge, who now works for Monsanto, is a lobbyist, by the way. He's a legal advisor lobbyist for Monsanto. And he made this ruling just before he went off and, and took this great gig with Monsanto. In regards to raw milk, said that we as citizens of this country do not have a right to determine what goes into our own bodies. Okay? In regards to raw milk. I want you to think about, even if you don't drink raw milk or it's not that important to you as an individual issue, I just want you to think about how you feel that your government would tell you it's not acceptable for me to milk my cow and then for you to buy that milk and drink it. And do you think the government has a right to tell you you don't have a right to decide to drink milk out of a cow. And then I want you to tell me if you think that's wrong and you think the government shouldn't be doing that. And this would be an interesting discussion in the blog, common, calm, rational debate, respecting each other, not anger. Okay? How, if that's the case, then why you shouldn't be able to pick up the leaf of a plant and eat it or smoke it, and how you can make a naturally going plant. Let's take hard drugs like cocaine and opium and all that crap off the table, Talk about something in its raw form. I want you to think about things like that today. I just want to set the mood for that. Because you're going, again, if you are a deeply uh, staunch political proponent on either side of the current dichotomy, you are going to absolutely not agree with some of what you're going to hear today. And I'd like anybody that feels that way during this interview to try a little exercise. Try hearing what you don't agree with and considering it. And even if you continue to disagree with it, have respect For the other side of the view. Because this is the last thing I want to say before I introduce Sean today. You cannot make an argument. You cannot make an argument with Sean or myself or many other people that have crossed into this libertarian world. About any of these issues that five or ten years ago we would not have made ourselves. Everything you'll say to us in opposition to our current position is something we would have said to someone in our position today five to ten years ago. Almost all of us come from either a Democrat or Republican background who eventually figured out the system was promising results it never delivered and stopped one day and simply asked ourselves a question, is it right for me to tell you how to live? And when we thought immediately in our heart the answer to be no, it opened up a lot more questions, and for us anyway. Libertarianism was the answer. And with that, I'd like to say, hey, Sean, man, welcome to the Survival Podcast. Hey, Jack, good to be here. Hey, I'm glad to have you here, Sean. Um, Sean, folks, actually drove in, man. He's sitting right next to me uh, behind the desk in the recording studio here. And um, we're going to have an interesting interview today because Sean Hipskin, my good friend, and you guys that might remember my videos I did where we had this big excavator digging holes in my place in Arkansas, he's the guy that ran that machine. And now, instead of running machines, he's going to run for governor of the state of Arkansas. And he's going to do it as a libertarian. So what's up with that, Sean? What made you decide you want to run for governor of the great state of Arkansas?
1: Hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you can only handle so much in politics. And I thought this may be a good chance for me to help um, just further the cause
0: of freedom. So, I mean, most people that run for governor or run for president or run for Congress are running to win. I'm sure you'd like to win, but are you running? Is that the ultimate goal here, is running to win, or is there a larger goal at play?
1: I would say that that is not my ultimate goal. Um, What I'm actually doing is running a $0 campaign where I will not be receiving campaign contributions, and it's because i have a vision for the future where no politicians would receive funds
0: for their campaigns so how would that work what would what would make you know what would make this program how would that function because i i like the sound of it but yeah it would be made
1: possible through a website that was created and it would have a candidate questionnaire on this website and so each politician running for office would fill out this questionnaire and then from that questionnaire you can figure out what their political beliefs are and they would run for office on what they actually believe and then whenever their voting record comes out if it doesn't agree with their candidate questionnaire then the people would have the option to vote them
0: out or maybe recall them maybe
1: yeah
0: yeah so i mean you're you're now running as a libertarian have you always been a libertarian as far as your political spectrum or did you come over the fence from somewhere else
1: i have not always been a libertarian i was um, raised in a very christian conservative household and we were republicans my father was a business owner and so we liked the small government idea and then as i got older read books Listen to people. I found out that Republicans really aren't for small government. They're just another sect of a large government
0: organization. So that that makes me think of something I remember you telling me about a while ago. We had this thing called the stimulus that was supposed to create jobs. <laughs> and and my understanding is that you're a you're a, a, a recipient of the stimulus because it created like nine jobs at HipSkin Excavating or something like that. Can you tell us about that? That's right. Um, <laughs>
1: What I... <laughs> I've been in construction my whole life, ever since a little kid. My dad was in construction, I worked for him, and then I started my own business when I was 18. And I was a framer, and then started building houses. I saw that the housing market was in trouble, so I switched over and got a commercial license because I knew that the government was going to be dumping money into these commercial projects. So I wanted to be able to make money, and... um I switched over and started doing these, and they were stimulus projects, and yeah, I was going through one of the websites for the government, which I can't find it anymore, but it did say that um, Hipskin Excavating had created, through the stimulus program, 9 to 12 jobs, something like that, and I had in fact not hired any
0: individuals for any <laughs> of these jobs other than people that were already working for me. Was that somewhat of an eye-opener for you? Weren't you kind of like on this transition at that point? Yeah, I mean, it's just
1: everything, you know. I mean,
0: (laughs) I was probably pretty far along by that point in time. So why did you decide to run a zero-dollar campaign? Is it, is it mainly just to bring awareness to that concept, or do you think that's actually just an important way to run a campaign in the first place? Um, both. You know,
1: when I look at what is going on in politics today and what is going on in government as a whole, one of the main issues and problems with government today is that these huge corporations are giving millions of dollars to these individuals that are running for political campaign and they're purchasing influence with these dollars and then they get into office and they you know pass tax legislation or regulations that smash their small competitors and make these big companies even bigger it's crony capitalism we don't live in a capitalist society anymore we live in a society where big huge big huge businesses have combined With government and it squashes out
0: the competition, and competition is a major part of capitalism. You know, there's a word for that, right? It's called fascism. That's right, and that's what it is. I think a lot of people out there have a hard time still with this. If you're a long-term listener, you've had this lesson before, Uh, but if you're not, fascism is not Nazism. Nazism was an action action of fascism. So the, the Nazi government put people in concentration camps and killed people, but The fascist component of Germany was an economic system. Italy was also a fascist state during World War II and part of of the Axis. But Italy didn't have concentration camps. Italy didn't put Jews in gas chambers. But they had a fascist system, and it's classic fascism. Classic fascism is you take the government, and the government directs industry. And then, and what you have here is neo-fascism, where industry directs government. But it's the same, you get the same net result. You get control by a corporatocracy and a plutocracy. It's just which hand is higher in doling out the money. And neo-fascism, the, the hand of the, go- the corporation is above the hand of government versus the other way around.
1: And, um, I am a capitalist, so with this zero dollar campaign, You know, people could still run a multi-million dollar campaign because I'm a capitalist and people should be free to do what they want to do in this society. So if people still want to raise funds and do this and run a million dollar campaign, they still should be able to do that. But hopefully the voting public would recognize for that for what it is, gross, and not vote for those people, but vote for these individuals who run this zero dollar campaign. Which I don't know if I got into it, but you know my idea is to. Oh, I didn't, yeah, did. not You did. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, and I, I think that you know, as long as it was that was a requirement. Like, if you're going to run for for governing body, you're going to do this. You're gonna you're gonna go on record this way. Because you and I talked about this before we got into the actual interview about how, you know, you watch the debates or something, and somebody says, you know, uh, you know, Mister Romney, if you were president, would you? you know, withdraw troops from X by date Y. And he says, you know, that's, that's a very interesting question. And <laughs> I met this woman named Sylvia yesterday whose who's who's, son is over there right now, and it's a very important issue to them, and talks for 15 minutes and never answers the question with a yes or a no. Now, what bugs me about that is I don't care where you stand on that issue. I really don't. As a voter, I could care less where you stand on an issue. But I'd sure like to know where the guy running for office stands on the issue. And these clowns won't answer your questions. So we had talked about some of these questions being basically like yes or no, true or false, multiple choice. And you got to pick one of those and you don't get to... Tell me a story about somebody's nephew or some crap like that.
1: That's right. These questions need to be very specific, pointed questions. You know, and the great thing about this is anybody could write these questions. They could be questions from a socialist, a communist, a Democrat, a Republican, a libertarian. It doesn't matter to me. What I want is just honest answers from politicians to these questions. Anybody can ask the questions. You know, and I just want answers. That's all.
0: You know. Well, since you're running for government, let me ask you some questions to see if you can give us some straight answers. Okay. So Let's start out with the first one. Um, there's there's a big debate right now over marijuana in the country. Several states have legalized it in opposition to the federal government. Some have done it on a prescription basis. Some states have voted on it and it's failed. Um, but then there's this other component to it: industrial hemp. Which I see as a totally different issue, because you can smoke all the industrial hemp you want, and all you're going to get is a headache. And that was made illegal along with marijuana. So what are your thoughts on the industrial hemp debate? It's just more ridiculousness, more of a
1: combination of companies and government getting together to restrict businesses. What happened in the past is there was large manufacturers of paper products and clothing products. And they came up with this law to suppress the hemp manufacturers because the hemp manufacturers came up with a new device called the decoordinator and with this decoordinator they were going to be able to make products that were as affordable as cotton products and wood products so they came up with this law making industrial hemp illegal and when they did that they put industrial hemp totally out of the market and totally took capitalism out of the market because industrial hemp is an amazing product that can be used for clothing. It can be used for fuel. It can be used for paper products. We wouldn't ever have to cut down trees again if we were using this product, except for maybe construction materials. But industrial hemp can also be used for construction materials. It's a very good product.
0: And, I mean, how do you think? Because, yeah, it kind of went away, but, like, people now are eating hemp seed. It's actually That's right. a very nutritious thing. Other countries that don't have a stupid law, have gone into growing it. Mm -hmm. And like, one is like this really evil country. You may never have heard of them, but they're like this evil, horrible country called Canada. They grow lots of it. And how do you think it must feel for a farmer in North Dakota to literally look into the next field and see huge fields of this stuff growing there and be told if you grow that, not only are you doing something illegal, but this isn't the Monsanto seed police. Right. Mm -hmm. This is the federal government will put you in jail for a felony well prison, actually, for a felony. And there's this Canadian dude with his maple syrup right across the border growing it like crazy. And they don't seem to have a problem.
1: That's right. It's just more of the government infringing on people's natural rights, choosing winners and losers in our economy and just creating more
0: of a fascist state. So let's move into the other side of the debate. then. what about the war on drugs? Um, do we continue the war on drugs? Do we change tactics? Do we raise the white flag? Where, where, where are you on the war on drugs? Which I had a person tell me
1: on Twitter, you know, ooh, stay away from the drug issue, you know, yeah. it's a dangerous issue. Well, well, the thing is, you know, you're not gonna win anyway. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> easy now, easy now. <laughs> okay, so anyway, you know, they're telling me it's a dangerous issue, you know, this is how libertarians lose through this issue, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, this is one of the most important things. I, myself, I've never used a tobacco product. I've never drank alcohol. I
0: can't get you to drink a beer with <laughs> me while you're at my house tonight. <laughs> just, just to be clear,
1: yeah. I've never done a drug. This isn't motivated. You know, everybody's like, oh, those libertarians are just a bunch of potheads. They want to smoke Marilyn marijuana, drinks. blah, blah, blah. This is not my motivation. My motivation is private. um <clears throat> natural rights and freedom. And what the government has done is they've taken this plant product and made it illegal. And when they've done that, they've set up these huge systems... That damage our natural rights. For one, if somebody takes this plant and chooses to smoke
0: it... J- just hold on. You're, you're on marijuana right now. Yes. You're not on the whole war drug dru- dru- Which dru- it war. all applies. Yeah, but, but right now, for the moment, we're talking about marijuana. Correct. Okay, go yes.
1: ahead. So, you know, people take this product, they smoke it, and then, because of that, they put them in prison. So we have people who have lost their right to freedom and natural right of liberty because they chose to smoke a product that grows
0: naturally from the ground. Yeah, I I am for basically the removal of all prohibition on on drugs with some common sense so you don't have to worry about the children, the children. Yes, we need to keep drugs out of the hands of kids, but... I mean, the way I answer that is right now you can't keep drugs out of the prison, so don't tell me you're going to keep them out of my schools. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to marijuana, we're in a totally different world there because, again, and I don't smoke pot, and I'm not going to smoke pot. And if they Mm -hmm. legalize it tomorrow, I don't know, I might grow some, but I ain't going to smoke it. It's actually a useful plant. Um, But you're, you're absolutely right. It would be equivalent to just picking any plant at random right now. And saying if you pick that up and pull a leaf off of it and eat it, mm-hmm. right, it, you, you're going to, to to jail or to prison for possession and use. Well, and people say, well, it's dangerous for you. Well, we have these plants called oleanders. I used to grow them around my pool when I didn't know to grow useful plants. And they're pretty and they attract bees, but they're poisonous. Now, there's no law that tells me not to eat a oleander because there is a law. It's called natural law, That's right? Nice. <laughs> and, and if I eat an oleander, I'm going to get sick, and if I eat enough of it, I'm going to die. And if enough people eat oleanders and die, they'll, and pretty much that system's already worked itself out. We don't have a lot of people eating foxglove, oleanders, and destroying angel mushrooms. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like a human being is capable of determining the risk for themselves and making their own decision. That's right. You know, and then there's other issues that arise when this happens, you
1: know, and people are put into prison for this, and then we start this huge process of you took away this person's natural right, you put them in prison, and then they get out of prison, maybe they had a felony, they can't get a job, it's just a never-ending cycle that they create when they do this.
0: Well, yeah, because Jose has more pot than is considered for possession, it's now it's considered with intent to distribute. Mm-hmm. So now instead of a misdemeanor mm-hmm. and a fine and a day in jail, he's looking at you know a couple months in the state penitentiary and a felony, even if it's a third-degree felony, felony conviction. Now jose can't get a decent job now jose ends up more likely and i can change his name to john and so it does not offend anybody right john ends up with the the the, position where it's actually more likely for him to commit other crimes because you've taken away his natural avenue of, of gainful employment
1: that's right yep it's just a
0: it's a poor
1: i mean and what good comes from the drug war
0: I don't, I don't know. There I don't is don't have an answer for
1: There's it. nothing good because drugs, drug use has not slowed down. No. It's increased. Drugs, you know, the prices of drugs escalate. So this causes people to commit crimes so they can do their can habit. Their drugs, That's right. right. Yeah. You know, and then look what it does with the cartels. Yeah. I heard a news ranker say that 70% of the cartel's wealth comes through distribution of marijuana. So, if you legalized marijuana, it takes away 70% of the cartel's wealth. What business can stay alive if you took away 70% of their income? Uh,
0: not many. Not I mean, many. Drop, drop, Maybe not, the drug cartel. <laughs> but, I mean, otherwise, you have to make a profit. And, you know, the one thing I can say about the cartels is that at least it is a free market. That's it's right. not a... the only one, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, what, what's your stance on religious freedom? We We get a lot of. Down into details and weeds with religious freedom issues. You know, you that's get into right. gay marriage and that's everything right. else. And what was, so, where are you on religious freedom?
1: I think religious freedom is very important, but there's something that's also as important as freedom of religion, and it's the freedom from religion. And we need to take this into account. Everybody needs to take this into account. This is natural rights issues. It's not religion issues. If you, if a group of individuals, say Baptists, say, you know, and say, well, whatever, Christians, okay. say, you know, we don't want gays to get married in this country. Yeah. So now you're taking and you're suppressing the rights of these individuals. You know, let's take morality out of this because morality has no play in this right here, because they're not harming another individual. That's when morality takes part in laws, is if you're harming another Th- this individual. This is where
0: I'm glad we're not on live radio, because this is where a caller calls in with the ultimate objection and goes, I- God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Right? That, that's that's the, the basal objection, <laughs> is I don't like it. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, honestly, I don't have a lot of gay friends. I don't mm-hmm. have them hanging out with me or whatever, but... It's not my business what they do. It's, That's right. it's been the way I've all. Even when I was a conservative Republican, mm-hmm. it was the one place I kind of differed with with the party and said, you know, I I don't get this one, guys. Yeah. But it's not natural. You know, neither is high fructose corn syrup. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> I mean, right. I'd actually tell you it's probably more not natural than yeah. two people falling in love that don't fit our definition of what's normal. I mean.
1: But where the issues arise is that these people want to constrict the rights of these individuals. Well, that's a dangerous path to go down. Because now, well, let's say 40 years in the future where gay marriage is totally accepted. And they say for all these years, these religious groups repressed our rights. Yeah. And now we want to be paid back for that. We want it so religious groups cannot marry
0: only the state can that's right right. yeah so
1: now they've lost their rights to marriage And you say that's a ridiculous statement to make guess what it's happened in the past because in the past when the catholic church was the state church they would not allow anabaptists to get married okay they wouldn't allow them they were restricting the rights of christian individuals to marry and that's the same thing you're doing with homosexualities. With homosexuals, this is a rights issue. It's not a morality issue. And we need to look at
0: everything on the basis of rights and what our natural rights are. You know, the last event we had here, this, this topic came up as much as I tried to keep politics out of the whole thing because everybody was having fun drinking and shooting pool. But there was only actually one guy that wanted to defend the whole you know, banning gay marriage thing. And after he heard from everybody, he finally got frustrated. He goes, Well, then maybe the government just shouldn't be in the business of marriage at all. And everybody applauded. Everybody <laughs> applauded. It was like that is actually the point that the problem here isn't whether or not we ban gay marriage, it's why is the state determining who is and who isn't married in the first place? And what people naturally say is property. Well, if you and I want to enter in an agreement that has nothing to do with marriage about property yeah. issues, we have the ability to draw up paperwork and, and and recognize certain pro- property rights. So yeah. that's that's a voluntary thing. Mm-hmm. Marriage to me mm-hmm. should be between two people and their version of God, whatever that is. Including yeah. if they're an atheist, then they're then between them and their their bonding of cells. Yep. Or their their you know it, uh, what do you call it the crawling from the ooze. Whatever whatever floats your boat, that's your business.
1: Mm-hmm. It comes down to a contractual issue. Which, you know, religious people aren't seeing it as a contractual issue. They're seeing it as a morality issue. Which, even there, legislating morality is a dangerous path to go down. Because, you know, you don't want me legislating my morality on other people out there. Because, you know, I don't drink... Coke. I don't drink anything with caffeine in it, you know? So, am I going to legislate my morality on other people? No tobacco use. No caffeine. No alcohol. Of course not. Because other people aren't harming other individuals. That's the laws we should have, is to stop people from harming other individuals. So,
0: on tobacco, before we just piss everybody off here, mm-hmm. because we're, we're, we're doing it right now. <laughs> um, and remember, you don't have to agree with me. That's, that's, that's the key out there, guys. No, but Seriously, like so now with tobacco, here's an interesting one. I always end up in a quandary So, when people want to talk about, well, we should outlaw tobacco, that's just stupid and it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. But when they, people, when people will turn around and say, well, maybe we shouldn't have people smoking cigarettes in restaurants mm-hmm. because people that have no choice but to keep a job work there and now are having to breathe your stinky smoke. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about stuff like that? Hmm. I guess I never thought of it from the employees' perspective. I always yeah. thought
1: of it from the person eating there. You well, know, that
0: was the argument successfully uh-huh. made in Dallas and Arlington around here. Was the employees were the ones that pushed with it. They said, "Look, I got to have a job, yeah. and I'm a waitress. And mm-hmm. if, if there's if they're allowed to have it, every restaurant will have it. And and I've got to breathe the smoke of my customers while I'm serving them food.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, it comes down to really the employer needs to make that decision for himself, you know. And maybe he won't have any employees, and then he'll need to make the decision (laughs) that I'm not going to allow smoking in my restaurant so I can have employees. That would be the natural right position of that, you know. But I will tell you this. Arkansas doesn't allow smoking in the restaurants, and gosh dang, it's nice. <laughs>
0: well, that's a that's thing, right? So that's, that's where we have to be careful because we're the ones saying, hey, you shouldn't be passing laws like this. But then again, you look at that one and go, well, that works out pretty good for yeah. me. And I think there's, that's a problem a lot of people do think that way. Well, it works right. out good for me. Well, that's because the people you like are in charge right now. What that's happens right. when the people that don't like you are yeah. in charge?
1: I mean, laws are a dangerous thing. We need to avoid them if at all possible. And they should just be there to stop people from infringing on other people's life, liberty, and private property.
0: How do we deal with environmental issues then? Because you and I are both big practicers uh, of the principle of non-aggression. That's right. I will not aggress upon you and I will Mm -hmm. not harm you. Mm -hmm. Um, But if I'm doing something that's harming the environment... Seriously harming. Not not debatably harming. I'm dumping mercury into the groundwater. Mm -hmm. I I think the EPA is bloated, but I would really prefer that you not dump mercury into the groundwater. And I do think somebody should stop you if you do, because Mm -hmm. you're harming me, you're harming your neighbors, you're harming the whole damn world. Yep. And I am a minarchist, and I believe in a
1: small amount of government. And if these individuals are doing something like that... I think that some legislation has to be taken, but even over and above that, I would hope that with the age of information that people are gaining more and more knowledge and that consumers would not purchase products from people who are doing unethical practices.
0: Of course, you've got the problem then, though, that the current Government and bureaucracy <laughs> have actually made it almost impossible for people to do that. For instance, you'd say, well, if you don't want GMO foods, don't buy GMO food products. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, then don't go to the store.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: Right now, that's because they've regulated themselves into the position where they're everywhere.
1: Which gets us back to the $0 campaign. I mean, Monsanto owns the market because of regulations that have been passed And I don't know if you ever read Joel Salatin's book. Yep. I mean, they totally regulated him out of putting his meat products inside of restaurants despite how much cleaner and better his meat products are. I remember a funny story that he told in his book that he has to have some big old expensive machine that would tell him how much wood particles are in his meat. Because the big meat packers have wh- pallets.
0: Yeah. And the pallets get mixed up in the meat. Yeah. yeah I, when, I, when I listened to him at Liberty Forum, he said that in one of his court cases, his attorney asked the bureaucrat on the other side of the issue Do you believe that it's possible? that your regulations were written with a complete lack of understanding that any producer could be doing things as clean and safe as Mr. Salenton is doing them, and the man said yes. Yeah. The man said yes, qu- absolutely yes, but we still have to enforce these regulations because if we don't do it here, then we're going to be told, why are you doing it elsewhere, as though common sense cannot enter the picture.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, unfortunately, we don't have much common sense around
0: here anymore. So you you've used a word a couple times here that I really like natural rights. Mm-hmm. What what is in your view starting out what what is a natural right? What makes a right a natural right versus a um, a right that we've dreamed up and decided you should have? A natural right
1: is something that shouldn't be able to be taken away from you. <laughs> you know something that you just have when you're born. You know your life and your liberty. And as you move on in life and you gain property, I think that that should be something that cannot be taken away from you, your private property. So life, and then freedom, and then property.
0: Would would all be examples of Of natural natural rights. rights. Mm -hmm. What about... Self-defense. Self-defense would be a natural right. What about... I mean, does that play into the drug issue? So should people have a natural right to decide what does and does not go into their body? Definitely. Even though a, a, a judge in, in Minnesota said that you do not have a right to decide what goes into your body.
1: It's absurd that they would create laws that tell you what you can and cannot do, when you're not harming some other individual, when you're not taking away their life liberty or their private property, then they shouldn't be making laws against this, in my personal
0: opinion. I, I, I agree with you, Sean. <laughs> um, but I'll tell you what actually makes me more upset than a law that says I cannot put something mm-hmm. in my body is a law that requires something to be put into my body. Mm-hmm. So what about as we get into the, the vaccination world, where well, you know the stuff's required?
1: I can't say that all of my kids are fully vaccinated, so <laughs> if that tells you anything, <laughs> um, you know, we're not totally anti-vaccination. Nor but, am I. But, you know, and I think that they do serve a good purpose sometimes, but man, to... uh Dump loads and loads of vaccinations into
0: your newborn baby. I can't see that as something that's necessary. Well, I've I've talked about this quite a bit, and I'm not a medical doctor, and I I don't claim to be. And I actually feel like in some instances I might be more qualified than a medical doctor to talk about medicine. But this is a place I don't. And I really don't have all the facts, but when I do look at the vaccination schedule and I look at how much, how fast, mm-hmm. it seems completely ridiculous to me. Yes. And it seems like you're just overloading the immune system mm-hmm. and that there's a lot of harm from the research I've done with the blood-brain blood, bre- bl- blood brain barrier and putting that much toxin into a, a young child that early in a situation where their risk of uh, contracting most of these diseases is very low to begin with. Yeah. Yep,
1: um, you know, obviously I'm not a medical doctor, so it's hard for me to speak on things like this, but we can speak on the natural rights issue and nobody should be forcing you to take something into your body, obviously.
0: Well, and you know, then people say, "Well, if you don't get your vaccine, then you put others at risk." Well, if you want to be not at risk, you get your vaccine. That's right. Don't tell me I have to get mine. You know, you go get your vaccination and mm-hmm. and I don't I don't need to be participating in that with you and like you. I'm not a purist. I I do see certain vaccines having certain functions and being useful. But I've also said that in in the last 20 years, I've had one flu vaccination. And in 20 years, I've gotten the flu one time. And it it just so happened to be the year that I got the (laughs) vaccination. And people say, that's not why you got sick. I'm like, I'm not saying it's why I got sick. I'm saying that clearly it didn't work. So what was the point (laughs) of shocking my system and, and, Mm -hmm. and putting mercury and other things in my body? And if you want mercury in your body... I'm not going to get in the way of you going and getting it done. That's you right. can you can have piercings done in do your ass for all I care, mm-hmm. but just don't make me do it. Yep. So, if you did become governor, what would be some of the first things that you would do? I mean, you're not president, mm-hmm. but you would be the, the 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 chief executive of a state. Well, and you do have certain things you could do with executive power without even working with, you know, the legislature. So, mm-hmm. what are there any things you think of that you would like your first 90 days in office, you would work to get done? Um, You know, unfortunately,
1: there's not a lot of power that a governor has. But, you know, obviously, you're going to have power with appointments, like uh, the head of the ADQ, the apartment for quality and control and stuff like this. So, you know, I'll be able to place more freedom-oriented people into these positions. But, you know, just furthering liberty and furthering freedom i mean a big concern is monetary policy nowadays and i think that anything that we can do to privatize certain products without people losing jobs is a good thing get things out of government's hands and put them into private corporations which i mean obviously we have a corrupt system So, you know, (laughs) it's hard to give power
0: to these companies if the government has their hand in them. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, doesn't it seem like the only way for a libertarian society to actually function is a complete deconstruction of the existing system? Unfortunately,
1: um Yes, (laughs) which I think that these $0 campaigns would go a huge step in that direction and separate... This crony capitalism that we have going on right now and separate these massive companies from the legislation that's being passed.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the one of the words mm-hmm. I hate hearing used the way it gets used is corporations mm-hmm. because people talk about the corporations, the corporations, the evil corporations. And I'm mm-hmm. like, well, I have a corporation. That's right. I think you have a corporation. Definitely. Right. We're not Monsanto. Nope. We're not ConAgra or Bear. We're not, we're not mm-hmm. Pfizer. We're not Merck. Right. And we don't, we don't function like any of those entities and we don't have the power of any of those entities and a, a corporation in and of itself is not evil it's a legal structure it's mm-hmm. it's the power that these particular corporations and particular wealthy elites are able to enact through the system that we're talking about and sometimes I look at the system and go I'm done I you know, I, I consider myself basically like a personal libertarian anarchist now. Like mm-hmm. I, 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 you guys can do whatever you, you. I know you know that earlier this week I completely snapped my gasket over what California is doing. Um, I don't know if there might be a hole in the wall over there where the Sharpie hit when I threw it. I, I think I actually hit the spear loading manual though, and it it, it stopped the, the the thing from getting to the wall. Um, but you get to a point where you almost feel like you know, is this even worth it?
1: Yeah, I mean, we have so many systems in place now that I just, it's hard to believe that we can peel these apart because what it does, it leaves so many people open and bare and exposed when they aren't prepared for this life (laughs) because the government has made them ill-prepared for it
0: because they've given them so many things throughout life. Well, and then they mm-hmm. threaten to take it away. That's how you control somebody. So, like, people used to ask me, like, why have you made your son's life so easy when he was a teenager? You know, we got him a truck right after he got his license. Mm-hmm. We got him a computer. We got him uh game systems. He he had his own wing of the house, basically. He had it made. And people like, why do you make his life that easy? And it's like, because when I want him to do something and he doesn't want to do it, all I have to do is take away what he has. The more I give him, the actually, the more leverage that I have yeah. by removing it. Now, parenting a 16-year-old this makes sense. Yeah. Right? He's not old enough to make all his own decisions yet and be responsible and what have you. And it's my obligation as a parent to do that. But a grown man, a grown woman out in society, the government, sh- and that's exactly what the government does. I'll give you unemployment, but if you work too much, I'll take it away. Yeah. I'll give you welfare, but if you work too much, I'll take it away. Mm-hmm. I'll give you food stamps and WIC and all this other crap for your kids, but when they turn 18, I'll stop giving to you. So crank another one out before that one, you know, atrophies out of the system. And that whole system. And then by the time you get to a certain age, well, now you got to start behaving so that you can get your social security or I get you on disability and if, if you, you know, you're you legitimately on disability and you're getting a certain amount of money it's barely enough to get by and then okay well you figure out well I can do these few little things but I can never support myself with them but it would be a little bit of money now instead of saying well you get a little bit less disability I take away all your disability mm-hmm. and that system to me just seems to be completely built for the control of human beings that's what
1: it seems like I mean it <laughs> <laughs> It's, I mean, it's a difficult place that we're in because we have so many people reliant upon the government, and we can't just take away these systems. So I think that it has to be an, in, you know, just an incremental thing that we do. And, you know, I think that taking away the power from these huge corporations is something that can be done without harming individuals. But I don't think we can take away welfare in one quick swoop without harming individuals. I be-
0: think we'd have anarchy and we would have riots in the streets and we'd have buildings burning down and we would have, I mean, you know death, destruction. I,
1: I would hope that maybe there's a common sense answer that we could come up with in the future to peel back some of these things in small incremental steps. But unfortunately, it'll probably be a large collapse that will peel back these steps, and it won't be very slow. <laughs>
0: what are your thoughts on that, an eventual economic collapse of this nation? Do you see it as inevitable? Do you see it... I mean, you had mentioned to me before you hope it's a soft collapse, and I yeah. just laughed and shook my head no. Yeah, I mean, you know...
1: Our monetary system is ridiculous. We... <laughs> it Just nothing makes sense in this world that we're in right now. With the Federal Reserve, you know, every dollar that they print is debt. I don't... You know, we have a debt-based currency. So we can't pay off the national debt. It's impossible to get out of this when they're printing debt.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I don't know how we even ended up with this system being accepted by the average person. Mm -hmm. You know, like how did how did the average person even get sold on this? Yeah. And I'm I'm trying to Google right now, but you pull up short of me so I can't sound like a genius. There was a quote by some guy (laughs) that basically said the reason they get away with this is the process of monetary creation is so simple that it repels the mind. Yeah. That it, the, the mind says that can't be true. The fact that we issue a bond, the person buys the bond, the bond is bought with nothing, nothing is deposited into something, and then it becomes new money, which is debt plus interest, but we need another loan to pay the interest because the initial loan, the, the mind just goes, it can't be that way. Mm-hmm. It, it just can't possibly be that way.
1: And so, with all this money being created, and then, like you said, interest on top of this money being created, there's no way it can be paid back. And sooner or later,
0: something's going to give. Unfortunately, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I'm 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 looking it up right now. Live podcasting mm-hmm. here. Um, let's see. We're gonna. Okay, uh, the process by which banks create money is so simple the mind is repelled. Uh, John Kenneth Grabbe, nineteen o eight uh died in 1975. They probably knocked him off. Uh, but, I mean, that's, that's the truth. There was also a statement, I think it was Henry Ford, that said if the people of the country understood how the money was created, there'd be a revolution before the next day. That's right. And, I mean, that's as big a problem as anything that we have because all of this regulation, all of this uh, oppression is paid for with money that's created out of thin air. That's, mm-hmm. that's how they do it. Um, there's two things you need for a law to be enforceable. One is a general acceptance. Mm-hmm. If 51% of people do not accept a law, it will never hold. Mm-hmm. And I think that's our, that's our best way of rebelling, by the way, is just start ignoring laws. And if we get enough people to ignore laws, they, they don't have a lot of teeth. But the second is they have to enforce, and they have to have teeth. And to enforce laws with teeth in this day and age, you have to have funding yeah so they print the money for the funding to enforce the law to control the population
1: mm-hmm. Another thing which I don't even know um if you're a big fan of jury nullification...
0: Oh, I'm a huge... I was just going there.
1: <laughs> Which, uh, you know, I don't even know if it's something we're allowed to talk about on a podcast. I yeah, they,
0: <laughs> you're allowed to talk about it on my podcast.
1: I know they prosecute people for handing out pamphlets yeah. uh, out by the courthouse oh, and stuff. Oh, they can prosecute me. It'll be a boom to my... Uh, my uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was actually um, one of the things that helped get rid of prohibition of alcohol was through jury nullification, I think, at that time. Oh, I don't remember. It was maybe 60% of the trial's we're being nullified by jurors. Jurors saying this is ridiculous. Yeah. You know, not guilty.
0: Yeah, you, you, you can even say well. You can't nullify. Fine, we're just going to say not guilty. That's right. Right, but you. But they, not guilty.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: not guilty. Yeah. And, and once it's done, it's done. Well, and, and and then there's double jeopardy, so you can't retry the person for yep. the same crime. And um, so yeah, if you're on a jury and there's somebody who smoked pot or something yeah. like that, and they're... Uh, <laughs> not guilty. And then the smart thing is not to tell the, the people screening you That's before a, the trial. Yeah. <laughs> that that you're you for that jury way. notification. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I always looked at it as you get lied to in school because you learn about the systems of checks and balances, legislative, judicial, executive, and they leave out all the other parts of the checks and balances. So the next part is you have to have law enforcement. So the the, the the police department or the sheriff's department or whatever has to be willing to enforce the law. Mm-hmm. So the law enforcement is also another check on the system because if the law enforcement, the sheriff decides, you know what, this law is not constitutional, I and my deputies just simply aren't going to do this, well, that nullifies the law. Then you have another check on the system is prosecution. If the DA says, I'm just not going to prosecute this stuff, the law is also notified. Then the final check is the juror who can also just simply say, we're not going to convict and then there's one more check in our republic and that is the states. So the state can say, we're just not going to recognize that law in our state and mm-hmm. that then causes a walking to freedom phenomenon where people say, you know what, I've had enough in New York, New Jersey, Illinois, California. Mm-hmm. I'm going anywhere but here.
1: Yeah. Oh, which
0: <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure you really want to be a
1: governor? Well, No. I don't... <laughs> I have no desire to be a politician whatsoever, but if somebody doesn't start something somewhere, then it'll never get started.
0: You know, Sean, you might be able to win, and I'll tell you how you could. Back in the 80s, there was a movie you might remember that Richard Pryor was in. Mm-hmm. It was called Brewster's Millions. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that movie? I do. Okay, so he he was going to get $300 million, mm-hmm. but he had to spend $30 million in 30 days and have nothing to show for it to get the 300000000 million. Mm-hmm. And there was like, he could gamble so much away and whatever, but in the end, he had to really, it was basically, he was, he was completely worthless with money, and it was like the only error of this one guy, and the guy wanted to make sure that he understood the value of money, and by tr- by trying to do this and failing, or trying to do it and succeeding, he wouldn't waste the $300 million. Mm-hmm. And he eventually figured out the most brilliant way in the world to lose money quickly was to run a campaign for the mayor of New York. <laughs> and he ran a campaign, and the slogan was, don't... Boat for me. (laughs) And he almost won. Now I know it's just a movie but we're getting into enough of a counterculture movement right now where maybe it's not hip-skinned 14, but sooner or later that might actually work.
1: Yeah, Which I mean, you know, I don't I mean, I think that there may be issues for people who want to be politicians. I don't know.
0: <laughs> well, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, so when you look at any political office of any means, like if you're like the fifth member of the town council of Sheboyganville, you don't really have that much authority. Mm-hmm. But a state senator, a governor, a federal senator, these positions have quite a bit of authority and power, mm-hmm. and you almost get to the point where if you really look at it, you go, the person that's right for that job doesn't want the power. Where everybody that we have in these positions today actually wants the power. That's Mm -hmm. why they're there, for the power. Because as a proponent of natural rights, the last thing you want to do is tell somebody else how to run their life. And the only thing these jerks do is tell us how to run our lives.
1: Yep. Which, you know, I'm not a politician. I'm not a lawyer. I'm a construction worker when you get right down to it. But, you know, fortunately, I've ran a business, and I've ran it well, and I think I could you know, run the business of Arkansas well. You know, it's just common sense decisions. um, You know, not spending more money than you have to spend. And um, it's just something that needs to be done, you know, to get these lawyers and stuff out of politics. We don't need another 1,200-page bill. I don't know how anybody with a conscience can sign a twelve hundred page bill into law because I know they didn't read it, and if they did read it, I know they didn't understand every word. No,
0: they read a brief that that a lobbyist prepared for them about right. the bill. That's that's what they read. I don't read twelve hundred page bills. No, you know, I mean, I I do things like when I go on a GovTrack, I like search for certain words in the bill. Because I'm not trying to qualify the bill, I'm trying to disqualify it. That's right. Which is actually a lot easier to do. Yes. It's way easier to disqualify legislation than to qualify it because if you know what you're looking for, you can find that, you can go no. And we don't, I don't think the politicians even do that. In fact, back, I think it was the 60s, uh, there was a, a, a legislator in the state of Texas that put into a bill basically Declaring a day that was like a ridiculous day. It was like Adolf Hitler Day or something. Mm -hmm. It wasn't Adolf Hitler Day, but it was something equally ridiculous, and the bill passed. And then when he came out and said, they said, why did you do this? He said to prove that nobody reads this legislation. Yep.
1: Yeah, if they, um, if you're not gonna read a bill, I just, you know, if a bill isn't written so every person can
0: understand it, then it shouldn't be a law. That's just absurd. (laughs) Well, how do you obey what you do not understand, right? right? I mean, mean, one of the platform positions of the the LP, the Libertarian Party, is that all legislation should be specific to one thing and written at an 8th grade level. Yeah. Right, so that if you want a law about basket weaving... Mm -hmm. The only thing on that legislation should pertain to, and I'm not suggesting we do this, I'm giving an example, should be basket weaving. If you want to start talking about fencing, that needs its own bill. You can't, because these bills have 400 things in them, and none of them have anything to do with each other. The Affordable Care Act had crap in it about purchasing silver. That's right. Now, what does the purchase of silver coins have to do With your health insurance? Nothing.
1: I mean, it's they're not laws. It's bureaucracy they're putting in place so they can control what's going on in the world.
0: It's absurd. (laughs) Okay, now, something you would have control over if you became governor of Arkansas would be the Arkansas National Guard. Mm -hmm. Now, we talked offline a little bit about troops that are already deployed overseas from Arkansas. And my response to you with your question was, can you recall those troops with your gubernatorial authority, was no, I don't think you can. What I do think you could do is oppose the additional deployment of state troops. Mm -hmm. Would you do that if you could? If I could, I
1: would do that because, like most libertarians, I'm opposed to war. You know, growing up in this Christian conservative household, you know, I was taught that most of all of the U.S. wars were justified, and now I'm at a point in my life where I definitely do not think that in a lot of wars we're the aggressor, where nobody's done anything to us, and yet we're going over there and we're bombing them, and we're... Creating more problems than we're solving. Not to mention the fact that we don't have any money to pay for any wars. Well, and my
0: thing is, the first thing you said is the is the is the, is the hostile action justified? And let's let's even shelve that for a second. And, and I agree with a lot of what we're doing right now is not justified. But then the next thing is. How much misery and death will be created with the hostile action? And is victory worth the sacrifice? Not just to ourselves, mm-hmm. right? Well, our soldiers went over and sacrificed. What yeah. about little kids that are That's blown right. up, right? So if, if we have a Nazi Germany, mm-hmm. is victory worth the sacrifice on both sides? Yes. You're yes. cooking six million people in gas chambers? Yes. It's mm-hmm. worth the sacrifice. The price of my gas went up a dollar a gallon. Is that worth killing a child for? And to me, the answer is always no. No, that's right. Yeah, you know, we, um, man, we're just, uh, yeah, we're in a
1: bad place in this country right now. And killing innocent people is a massive civil rights issue that we should be looking at. And everybody should be concerned with this. Natural rights are not just given to United States citizens. Natural rights are given to everybody. It doesn't matter if they're
0: brown or black or white or any other color I may be leaving out. Okay. How do you feel about this statement that I've made often? The Constitution of the United States does not apply to American citizens. Of course it does It applies to human beings. That's right.
1: You know, which, I mean, this is... A big huge button for people that I push, but you know, your rights aren't defined by where you're born, you
0: know, and this is an immigration issue. We oh, don't, I've got a slogan for you your rights are not defined by where you're born, they're defined by the fact that you were born. That's right, you know. I mean, sh- if you're born in poverty
1: in a third world country, are you not gonna seek out? A country where you can make money and you can live a good, productive, safe life?
0: I would... And they would put me in prison for that? <laughs> well, yeah, and here's my thing on the immigration issue. People say, well, they're only coming here to work. Fine, let the people that want to come here work and let the people that violate our laws be prosecuted under those laws. That's right. Well, oh, they're violating a law by coming here in the first place. Well, does that mean that that law has a problem in its existence in the first place? Yeah. Um, I am not for illegal immigration. And mm-hmm. people say that because I'm, I'm like for let's let's fix this problem. Yeah. What I am for is making immigration legal. That's right. Right? And and will they come here and live on our social welfare systems? Well, if I was in charge, that wouldn't really be a problem because not only would they not be living on my social welfare system, neither would you, yep. you know? And I mean it amazes me how many people point to a, another group of citizens and say they're living off the government, mm-hmm. and then when you examine that person's life, they're living off the government maybe a different way, but they're also living off government. That's right. You know, another huge part of this is people
1: say that they don't pay income tax. Well, guess what? I don't want anybody to pay income tax. I want to get rid of the IRS. The IRS is a horrible chunk of bureaucracy that chooses winners and losers. And as a businessman, I follow everything very ethically when I file my taxes. And... I'm still scared that the IRS could audit me because that's what they're there for is fear. But if we had a flat tax or, you know, a national sales tax, then that wouldn't be an
0: issue. Everybody would pay the same. How how do you feel about the concept of a progressive tax code in the first place where Joe pays no income tax, Tom pays 13 percent, I pay 28 percent, the guy down the road pays 33 percent? Is there any way that that's ever fair? (laughs) <laughs> of course, not. I mean, you know, I feel bad for
1: people who don't make as much money, but I don't know the answers, but yeah, they um, I don't think that an income tax is the way to do it it's It's a horrible system, and a flat tax would be way better.
0: I agree that a flat tax would be better. I actually like the idea of okay, as with you. Um, Again, I keep saying this to try to to make people understand. I am an anarchist in my daily life, and I am a minarchist as a as a rational human being that mm-hmm. understands certain people will kill other people, yep. steal from other people, and somebody's got to do something. Mm-hmm. So there are certain functions of government that I think make sense, and the ones that libertarians always get for who would build the roads and the schools? Who? Okay, fine. The government can build the roads and the schools, and if they yeah. actually focused on building roads and schools with all the money they take from us, we'd have really awesome roads mm-hmm. and better schools. I'm not going to say the schools would be awesome. <laughs> I'm just saying they would be better, okay? Yeah. So we can, they can do that. So there has to be some level of income for a government for the government to function. A sales tax taxes a choice. Mm-hmm. I'm choosing to buy a new truck and pay more tax than if I choose to buy a used truck, and certain things I can buy and pay no sales tax on whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And if you and I barter peppers for tomatoes across the fence, there's no tax there. An income tax... Tax is success. It's a tax on success. It's punishment for success. Mm -hmm. And people say, well, if there was no income tax, companies would leave lots of money in their businesses. Good. Then maybe we wouldn't have to bail them out. I mean, does anybody think about the fact that if a business holds too much capital, they get taxed on it as being a reason for them not to hold capital in the business? So that when a shortfall comes, they don't have the capital to shore up the business? I don't know if you know this. Do you know why Google bought YouTube? No. They had too much money,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and the um, the FCC or whatever is the, the the federal FTC was considering making Google into a mutual fund versus a stock with regulation because they had too much cash on hand. Mm-hmm. So they had to start buying stuff. So one of the things they decided was well, we'll buy this YouTube thing, right? So they got into a point where they had too much capital. Now, what if the what if the automakers had too much capital when? The auto crisis hit. Maybe they wouldn't have needed our money to be bailed out with. And then, you know, you, you know how Chevy paid the money back, right? They So we gave them like $29 billion or $39 billion or whatever it was. I don't, I don't remember the number. But then the government came up with a creative loan program, gave them more money behind the scenes. They took this money from the loan and paid back the bailout. And then the president of GM went on national T V and says, and we've already paid one hundred percent of the money back, but now we actually are owed more money than before mm-hmm. and they got a great interest rate on top of it. And they paid back nothing. Yeah. I mean it would be like me coming to you and saying, Here Sean, here's 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 twenty thousand dollars and then the next day I come back to you and go, here's thirty thousand, you pay me back my twenty, keep ten, and say I've paid my debt. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. But that's what you know but if there was capital in the business, maybe, just maybe. They could have survived on their own. Four yeah, did it,
1: somehow. <laughs> and another point with, the, with getting rid of the income tax is if we took it back to a pre-1992 budget, then we wouldn't even need an income
0: tax. Say that again, because I don't think most people know that.
1: If we reduce our budget back to a pre-1992 budget, then the government would not need an income tax to function. Where
0: would they get their money, then?
1: Gas tax, I mean, just, you know, food tax, all the other taxes in ways
0: taxes. that they fleece <laughs> the people. And, and to be fair, that was a, that would be the elimination of the personal income tax. Corporations would still pay tax under that. Oh, is exactly. that model. what it was? Yeah, that's that's Ron Paul's model, which, you know, that's a Republican that's really a libertarian. <laughs> yeah. I'm, how, how did you feel when you heard he was retiring?
1: Uh, good for him, bad for the country.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think he might be more powerful now.
1: Yeah, maybe. I mean, you know, we're just, there's so few people who care about liberty inside of the country. But, I mean, look at Justin Amash and what he did a week ago, you know, with passing that bill to try to defund the NSA.
0: Oh no! Tell me about that. I, I had no idea. Yeah, I, I'm taking somewhat of a um, I got gotcha. you fast from news <laughs> because you heard the results. So yeah. unless it comes from a listener and it gets through my queue, I, I'm kind of tuned out. Yeah, right now.
1: Justin Amash. He is a he's a congressman from Michigan. Okay, he passed a law to defund the NSA spying program. So he
0: actually got it passed.
1: He, no, he put it in there. Okay. So it was voted on and it was voted down. And it, I think it was Republicans that voted it down. Oh, what a surprise. <laughs> yep.
0: What so. a, it's all Obama, but yeah, we, we, we want it. Isn't that, yep. it, 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 did you notice how they all hate each other? And then when Snowden came out, they're all united on the hatred of Snowden. That's right. Right. I mean, so, and it, this, this traitorous thing that Snowden did, what did he do? You know, his, his big traitorous thing was that he uh, told the American people the truth mm-hmm. and he told the truth about something we already knew. In fact, we already had. Just about everything that, that the guy told us, we already knew what was going on. It had already been in newspapers and things like that. The difference was this was a person that actually could confirm it. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you have people saying he should be executed. Yeah. I mean, how brainwashed is the country when they want to execute a guy for telling you, yes, the government really is tracking your phone calls? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is a major issue, <laughs> a major loss of freedom, and people just want us to accept it. And we need to quit accepting it. And we need to stand up for our rights and our individuals. (laughs) And maybe we lose some security from it, but probably not. (laughs) Maybe our government will quit attacking people because this
0: is out in the open. I don't know. But yeah. something has to change. Well, I mean, when this first whole thing started with the NSA data center being built in Utah, I was like, with the size of it, they're not building it to keep track of people in caves. Yeah, the, with the amount of data you can store on a smartphone, mm-hmm. to build a data center the size or bigger than the Capitol building, the, the only thing you could be doing there is storing data on your own citizens. And people thought I was crazy when I said that. Well, gee, yeah. guess what? That, that that's what they're doing after all. But don't worry, it's for your own. And then the president of the United States comes out and he goes, well, "I'm going to be a private citizen too," and they'll be they'll be tracking my phone calls. So if I'm okay with it, you should be okay with it. And people actually defend this system. Yeah. And, and we have people on. I've seen military blogs and stuff going. On. He's putting U.S. you know operatives' lives at risk. No, wait, wait, really. And that's how brainwashed society has become today, that they'll defend the very system that's enslaving them, they'll build their own jail cell, they'll put up their own bars, mm-hmm. and they'll lock the, their own door. Yep. So, so what do we do, Sean? How do, you, how do you begin to wake people up to this? Mm, I think we start with zero dollar campaigns. Okay. That's, that's, <laughs> so how do people help you with that? Because unlike, I mean, I've never actually had a politician on the Survival Podcast before because then they just want money. Yeah. Um, So um, the audience can't help you with a campaign contribution. That's right. Because
1: you won't take it. That's right. I'll rip it up or throw it away or send it back to them, whatever needs to be done. So how can can people from the
0: TSP audience help you in your mission?
1: Okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be setting up a $0 campaign website with questions for politicians to answer. And what I would like it's just a list of questions now these questions need to be specific because of what we talked about earlier because if it's a vague question then politicians will squirm out of their votes and we don't want any more squirming we want people to be accountable for their actions so if we could come up with a list of questions that we can put on
0: this questionnaire that would be a great help and I think the questions would also need to be somewhat steered toward positions so you would ask a person running for the Senate, different questions you would ask somebody that's running for governor of the state of Arkansas, mm-hmm. because a senator in many ways has greater power than a governor, and in many ways less, because they're at the federal level, there's 99 other senators, a governor's one in a state, a governor is dealing with the state's business, a, a senator at least in theory is dealing with the nation's business on behalf of the state that they work for, so we might need to divide those up a little bit, but I also think there's some pretty universal questions that we could be asking people, like... Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. What is your stance on income tax?
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, most of my questions would be based on natural rights because I think that that's the most important thing. I mean, it was what government was supposed to do was protect natural rights. And we have gone so far from that that their main goal now is to restrict natural rights. And I think that this is one of our major problems. But, you know, these questions can be from socialists or from communists because, you know, then I'm just going to answer that question the exact opposite of what a communist is. What, what they would.
0: would expect to get. In fact, that's why I think everybody should be on board with it because at least you would know who you're voting for and what they stand for.
1: That's right. I mean, you know, it opens up politics and you always hear about campaign finance reform. Everybody wants campaign finance reform. Well, guess who would have to vote for campaign finance reform? <laughs> These same politicians that are taking millions of dollars from these large corporations. So yeah, this would be... Giving the power to the people. Yeah. And letting the people say, you know, I'm not voting for this person because they took these huge campaign donations when this guy answered out this questionnaire. And it's a guy that I like. He's for natural rights, so I'm yeah. going to vote for him. Or this guy's a total socialist. I like him. I'm going to vote for him.
0: <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you, and I'm, I'm dead serious about the, the two ways I think that this should be done. I, people are going to think this is a joke. It's not. The first part, people will go, okay, he probably means that. The second part, they'll just think it's a joke. I think that we should either run our campaigns one way or the other. Method A would be we no longer live in a society where you can't get the message out. Every candidate for every public office should be given a free YouTube channel. i got great news for funding this. YouTube will already do it. If we have to give them a free camera or a smartphone so they can video themselves, fine. We can pay for that with tax, but I'm okay with that. And then they should be able to put out whatever they want about what they're going to do on their YouTube channel. And whenever you go to a, you know, there should be a website where, like, you could see whoever's running for governor of Arkansas or uh, State Senate District 93 of Texas or whatever it is. You pull up those people, you can see where all their channels are, right? Now you don't need to be funded to be on NBC, CBS, and ABC. If, if you're saying something that somebody gives a crap about, mm-hmm. they'll listen to you. And we should, instead of campaign finance reform, we should have campaign finance elimination, Yep. Right, you should have a blog and a YouTube channel, and say what you got to say. And we can run debates on YouTube. We can do chat rooms, and every every voter that wants to can listen to you. That's option A. Option B would be this: Let's just be honest about what we're doing. And let's just have candidates go ahead and raise all the money they want to and say, after you vote for me, if you send in a form, I'll give you X dollars. And let's not even advertise. Let's just, let's just do what they're really doing and let them go out and buy the votes. Because I think I could have made some money voting for Obama or Romney last time around. And either way, I would have ended up better than I ended up with, which was I got nothing. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to buy votes, let's just let them – and I think that it would be a very interesting project for somebody out there that's liberty-minded to take on is to start evaluating all of these elections, especially state level, and say there were X number of voters and candidate A got X number of dollars. And if every voter was paid for their vote, every voter would have got X dollars. I think that would actually wake people up a little bit because I don't think people have ever done the math. But i tell you what – I think somebody did it in the presidential election, and it was like several thousand dollars a vote. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that's really insane when you think about that. And that's what they're doing. They're buying votes. Yeah. I mean, it's totally
1: what they're doing because they're purchasing influence with that money. And then we get this corrupt
0: system. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if, if people do want to find out about what you're doing as far as running for governor, you do have a website set up for that, right? Yeah. www
1: SeanHipskinForGovernor.com and you can find me on Facebook, Sean Hipskin on Twitter, Sean Hipskin at Sean Hipskin S-H-A-W-N-H-I-P-S-K-I-N-D which I'm sure you'll have that Yeah, (laughs) I'll put it all in the show notes
0: (laughs) so people can look you up and you know, I'd like to thank you, for number one, for, for driving down here for this, because certainly you didn't have to, and uh, I'm going to feed you good steak tonight. I'd like to thank you for doing it. I know it's not fun. I ran for the Texas State House years ago, and that was it. I was done. And you might be after this one,
1: too. Oh, I don't want to really, do anything after
0: this. You that's might just... really upset some people if you start to poll at all over 3 or 4%, because um, mm-hmm. that's what happened to me. Um, but I'd also like to thank you just for – doing it at all just for saying i'm going to do something i'm going to stand up and i'm going to do something and let me ask you kind of a personal thing at the end of this is it just frustration or do you look at your kids in the next generation and think somebody's got to do something damn it well you know i would like
1: for my kids to at least experience as much freedom as i had growing up but man that is clamping down so quickly that that is an impossibility and It's just more and more of a difficult world, the more and more statism is pushed, I believe, personally. (laughs) It's difficult for people to make money, you know. I mean, they want to redistribute wealth so everybody's even. I mean, I want to give everybody an equal chance at life, not steal from one individual and give it to another person. That's theft. That's, you know infringing on people's natural rights, if I can hit that point one more time. Yeah, I think it's important (laughs) to you, natural rights. But,
0: I I mean, I've always compared it to you this way. Equal opportunity is this. Everybody lines Mm -hmm. up at the same starting line. Mm -hmm. Everybody runs the same distance, and everybody starts when the pistol fires. Yep. Right? That's equal opportunity. Mm-hmm. Equal results is everybody crossing the finish line at the same time. Yep, that is a ridiculous race that nobody would pay attention to, and we would learn nothing from it. And the only thing
1: that you're going to do is take all the fast people and make them go as the slowest person, because
0: you can't make the slow person go fast. That's it's right. impossible unless you put rockets on their ass and then you're going to. So kill that's
1: them. what socialism does is it brings everybody down. It doesn't
0: push everybody up. It brings everybody down. Hobble your sprinters so that your your joggers can keep up with the sprinter in the 100-yard dash. I think that's exactly Which right. Which is a gross oversimplification, but... <laughs> but it's really... It's, it's the best way I can make people understand it. I, I'll close with this. I saw a thing when I was in Des Moines at a restaurant slash bar that we did our meetup at. And there was a like a chalkboard out in front where they used to write specials and stuff. And what the guy that ran the restaurant wrote was... Teach your children about taxes. Eat 30% of their dinner. <laughs> and I thought that was that was pretty cool. Anyway, man, thanks for being here today. And again, the website, folks, is SeanHipskinForGovernor.com. We'll have a link in today's show notes. Again, Sean, man, thanks for being with us today, and thanks for doing a great job on the interview. Appreciate it. And with that, this has been Jack Spierka today along with Sean Hipskin, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough, or even if they don't. See you now.